Chelsea Fairless. And this isn't exactly an emergency pod, but it's like almost an emergency pod because we're recording two days early. Yeah, if it, well, if it was more timely, we would have recorded this the day after the Oscars, but whatever. We're doing it now. We needed time to process. We did. We did. For I, sure. I don't know if people... There's one thing of giving a hot take. I don't know if people needed our raw takes about the Oscars. Yeah, sometimes you need to like simmer down, you know, so you can see the forest for the trees. Maybe Judd Apatow should have have simmered down a little bit. Thought about his tweets before posting them. Yeah. It's hard when you're in the heat of the moment. Sipping champagne at a Vandy Fair Oscars party. They didn't didn't have the benefit. I did think of people, celebrities that were at like the Elton John viewing party or the Vandy Fair one who didn't have the luxury that we had, which was just rewinding the Will Smith, Chris Rock incident over and over and over again. Yeah, I guess everyone had to wait for the clips to come up on Twitter. That was shocking. We definitely thought it was a bit. Yeah, I mean, so on Sunday we recorded with our friend Carly Scaratino our thoughts on Deep Water, which is up on our Patreon right now. And then our friends came over and we spent the first hour and a half of the Oscars outside <laughs> drinking and catching up because we found it boring. I don't know. I kind of lost interest after Beyonce. After Beyonce and the, and the opening monologue. After Kirsten Dunst lost, I was like, okay, I can, we've done best supporting. I can kind of peace out for a minute. Yeah, but thankfully we went back inside at the exact right time. <laughs> Do I even need to give context for this Will Smith, Chris Rock thing? No, not really. There was a moment in time yesterday where we were like, do we even talk about this? How do we even talk about this? Is there anything to add? Well, we have to talk about it because we have a podcast about entertainment news. That's true. I think the thing that I found the most interesting about all of this, especially looking at the internet yesterday, is just how the discourse about this in every single direction is so wild from... Judd Apatow saying Chris Rock could have been killed to Jamila Jamil of all people saying Will Smith hit Chris Rock so softly he didn't even move, which are both equally ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, Jamila Jamil not known for having the best takes necessarily. I guess it's just, I wish people would say the quiet part out loud this time about this, which is, yeah, if anyone else did this, it wouldn't be okay, but Will Smith is just that beloved, so we're going to give him a pass. Yeah, we're giving him a pass. Instead of bending over backwards to make it seem like we didn't witness an assault on live television. (laughs) I'm mostly just shocked that everyone fucking hates Chris Rock because I thought that everyone loved Chris Rock. You know, he famously had a show about his childhood called Everyone Hates Chris, right? Yeah, but I just thought that as a culture, we all agreed like Chris Rock is incredible and we love him and maybe we wouldn't necessarily want him to be slapped in the face and publicly humiliated, but I guess people are into that. Only if... Someone way more famous does it. Okay, how much more famous is Will Smith than Chris Rock? 20%? They're both household names. Will Smith occupies a space that's even beyond fame. It's like him, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Tom Brady. All the Toms. All the Toms. Barack Obama and like Bill Clinton, depending on how you feel about Hillary Clinton. Like they're beyond fame. Right. And that's the weird thing. I And I've seen all the discourse on black Twitter about how like non-POC shouldn't be talking about this. It's It involves a dynamic we couldn't possibly understand. I saw Tiffany Haddish said seeing Will Smith defend his wife was the most beautiful thing she's ever seen. I get all of that, but also they're incredibly famous and no one is discussing the fact that like we saw a glitch in the fame matrix. Like famous yeah. people, especially people like Will Smith don't behave this way. It's not like Mickey Rourke went on stage and slapped someone. Then you'd be like, oh, okay, I get it. This is someone that's had such an ironclad control on their persona for so long. Yeah. 
Well, he's never shown himself to be an angry or violent person. He clearly just snapped. He's a movie star, but he's also a human being. And ultimately, he's the biggest loser here because he deserved that Oscar. It will always be tainted by this. King Richard will always be associated with this moment, which is highly unfortunate. But also, I'm glad that it happened because it made the show more exciting. Like, the two-hour mark at the Oscars is when you start to get restless, right? And this was like a shot of adrenaline to the heart. This was like that scene in Pulp Fiction where John Travolta, like, stabs Uma Thurman. We needed this. We did, and then that's the other perverse thing as well that we're complicit in, which is we're kind of co-signing on this act of violence because it's like, well, it did make the show. Yeah, but it sucks for Chris Rock, who I love. Again, I, I think people are not commenting on the fact that, like, famous people don't behave this way. I was trying to think of, like... A well, no- unless you're Kanye or something, although he's never been violent. But I was trying to think of another example of what this would be like, and this is a total hypothetical, but it would be like if Ricky Gervais was making fun of Rita Wilson's, like, singing, or (laughs) Chet Hanks and Tom Hanks just walked on stage and slapped Ricky Gervais. You're right. That is the that is the closest equivalent. Or it would be like if Cher just like punched Joan Rivers on the red <laughs> carpet or something. Or if fucking um can you imagine if Liza Minnelli had retaliated when Ellen like called her a man at the Oscars <laughs> that one year? Oh, that yeah, that Liza was a drag performer of Liza Minnelli. Yeah. I thought about that when Liza came out at the end of the show. I was, uh, somehow I just saw her in that wheelchair and it just I instantly I was like, fuck Ellen DeGeneres. I know, I know. Ugh. And it was weird seeing people defend Will Smith all of yesterday for the fact that like you knew he was going to write a public apology, which later on Monday he did. It was a very nice apology. Well, it was crafted by the best PR people. Yeah, it felt very heartfelt and to the point, although I do think he also should apologize to Questlove. Yeah, the biggest loser, I would say, is Questlove, who seconds later won an Academy Award. Well, it's it's a tie between Questlove and the cast of the cast crew of King Richard. Right. <laughs> and the Williams sisters who, wow, they're having a fucked up awards season. And Beyonce, who's had to witness not only Kanye go on stage and still uh, Taylor Swift's thunder, but now Will Smith smack Chris Rock. Yeah. So we haven't really talked about why he did this, right? And we do have to back it up to whatever that Oscars was that Chris Rock hosted, like... 2016. Oscar... Hashtag Oscars so white. Yeah, where he made a joke that was like... Jada boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. (laughs) I wasn't invited. The generous read is that this is a very funny and well-crafted joke. I remember thinking it was funny at the time, but it also is pretty sad when you think about it because the crux of this joke is that Jada isn't the caliber of actress that would be asked to attend the Oscars. And I think that has more to do with like gatekeeping and racism in Hollywood than it does with her acting ability necessarily. Oh yeah, we should say Jada Pinkett Smith should have a better career than she has had. But you're not get you don't get Oscar nominations for movies like Scream Two and Girls Trip and The Nutty Professor. And she has had dramatic roles, but Set It Off. <laughs> yeah, she should have been nominated for Set It Off, for sure. Also, like the Academy is not the best at picking and awarding films that actually are going to stand the test of time and land in the zeitgeist of film history. Right. I'm looking at you, Crash and La La Land. Yes. For sure. But I could understand how on the outset of Will and Jada going to that event, because I'm sure that must have been hurtful to Jada at the time. That. Well, they didn't go to the event that year. That was the whole point. Yeah, but she watched it, I'm sure, and heard everyone laughing and whatever. So she was probably on guard knowing that Chris Rock was a presenter. And then he kind of does a similar thing. The G.I. Jane 2 joke is not a good joke. It would have been a good joke the year that G.I. Jane came out. Also, only a handful of people kind of get that reference, I feel like. Also, did you know that Jada Pinkett Smith had alopecia? Because this was news to me. I did, and people are now putting up clips where, I guess, days before she talked about her her bald head. 
what I dislike about this is people wanting it to be one thing or, or another, and it's quite complicated. It's, I understand the difference between Jada Pinkett making a joke about her bald head and someone else doing it. And also, like, Chris Rock would have never made that joke if he knew that she had alopecia. Like, he's not... Of course not. He's not doing that out of spite. Well, I was also curious about Will Smith's initial reaction, because he initially laughed, but we could see Jada's face fall. I think for something like that to happen, there's a lot going on. A lot of things we don't know, a lot of things we can guess based on red table talks of the past and interviews that Will Smith has done during the King Richard press tour that kind of got us to this place. But also... Are you hinting at their open relationship? Or their need to reveal their open relationship. Well, do you think that he was pissed off by... Who did the joke? Was it Regina? Regina Hall, Yeah. yeah. She did the joke about their open marriage, which was a great joke. It was a good... Much funnier than the weird pat down... Uh, yeah, we'll bit, we'll but... get into that in a second. I don't know. I mean, he obviously snapped. We don't see if Jada said anything to him afterwards because it cuts back to Chris Rock. But I want to see Jada during. Right. Like, we didn't get any of that. We just saw Will and Lupita, basically, on television. Yeah, and for the, the conspiracy theorists who are like, oh... This was actually, it really was staged because if you slow it down, Chris Rock is bracing for the slap. Again, this is a glitch in the fame matrix we never fucking see. I'm sure when Chris Rock saw him get up, he was like, oh, okay, like he's going to yell at me or he's going to do something. Or he's going to pantomime smacking me or something. Yeah, and as he got closer, I'm I'm sure he was like, oh, he's going to give me like a tap on the face. I'm sure the look in his eyes was crazy though. Once he got close enough to see, you know? If you're in a place where you're distressed enough to physically assault someone during the Oscars. Also, the fact that Will Smith cursed on live television when he- That too, when he doesn't even curse in his music. He famously doesn't curse in <laughs> his even rap songs. think about that. I've like never heard him say fuck before. Yeah, all I could think of was the Eminem line where he's like- Will Smith doesn't have to curse, curse to him. sell records. But yeah. I do, so fuck him and fuck you too. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> and people, I, I'm now seeing on TikTok, people are using that sound. Keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth as, as memes. And it's just, it's so raw. And to use your word, Chelsea, harrowing that it's like, <laughs> no, let's not make content out of this, like jokey content. Well, it's hard to not make jokey content out of something this over the top, though. It's dark, but it's not that dark. It's like when I was watching A Star is Born and they have the Bradley Cooper, Jackson Maine character when he's drunk come on stage during... This was Will Smith's Jackson Maine moment. Between this and the crying later, that speech was truly unhinged because it was half what you knew he had planned out for months. (laughs) Yeah. And half what he had to say and it was like mashing together at the same time and you were watching, again, a man who has been famous and loving being famous for 30 years melting down live. It's Shakespearean because it's his greatest moment and his worst moment colliding together and it was his own doing. I think that might be an intense experience for something like I remember... In the Miss Americana documentary, Taylor Swift talked about how when she finally won, like, album of the year at the Grammys, she was kind of, like, disturbed by it in the moment. Because she was like, wait, I did all of that and this is it? It's almost like golden idols don't mean anything. (laughs) Yeah. The Academy are also little bitches where it's like, we've launched a formal investigation. You're not taking his Oscar away because that opens the door of like, you're going to take Harvey Weinstein's Oscars away? You're going to take Roman Polanski's Oscars away? Yeah, no, you don't take away an Oscar. What are they going to do? Suspend him for a few months? They're going to give him a slap on the wrist. Also, they should thank him. This was so much more exciting than usual. Yes, now it's only the second lowest viewed Oscars in history. Oh, really? Yeah, it was up 58% from last year, which was the lowest. Which uh, was the train station one that I blocked out. I know. And also, Chris Rock will be fine. I'm sure Ted Sarandos was like texting him being like, anytime you want to do a special, we got 20 million for you. Oh, I hope he does stand up about it. I feel like he has to. Also, Will Smith has to have some sort of Oprah Rose Garden redemption interview. 
where it's him and then it's Jada and then it's both of them. Yeah. Did anything else happen? I mean, there were three female hosts that were better than I thought they would be. Sure, I maintain that Wanda deserved to do this solo. I agree because Wanda Sykes would have done that Amy Schumer seat filler bit way better. Yeah. Because people legitimately thought Amy Schumer didn't know who Kirsten Dunst was and were like real mad mad about it. As if Amy Schumer isn't the biggest bring it on fan in the world. I think it's also a testament to how great Chessie Plemons is as an actor that even in that ridiculous bit, he sold it so realistically. People were like, oh my God, what is she doing? (laughs) And then, yeah, I thought Regina Hall pulling single men out of the audience under the guise of COVID testing was fine. But like went seriously overboard when she started patting down Josh Brolin and Jason Momoa for too long, for... So long that Josh Brolin was even like, um, is this okay? Like, there is a moment when he's on stage being like, are we really doing this right now? Yeah. Well, you could never do it if it was women being patted down by Ricky Gervais. Yeah. And this is sort of this weird double standard comedy where it's like, yeah, just because you can do it because you're a woman and I get what you're commenting on. Like, let's not do this. Yeah. Also, I think a highlight for me was uh, Amy Schumer rushing in to say trans people were losing their rights while introducing the best picture (laughs) presenter. (laughs) Yeah, what was that? She's like, and there's a genocide going on in the Ukraine and women are losing all of their rights. And now please welcome last year's winner and trans people for actor in a leading role, Anthony Hopkins. It's like, yeah, the world's terrible, obviously, but also like... Is it fair for people that are at the top of their field to be recognized for work that they did that has nothing to do with any of these things? This goes back to our conversation about the Ukraine war stuff happening in conjunction with Fashion Week, which is, yes, there's a part of we're giving fancy rich actors golden statues but let's not pretend that there isn't a whole ecosystem related to los angeles tourism uh advertising marketing as she said i think at one point she said 2500 people is who works on the oscars yeah well also the oscars is more egalitarian than most award shows they're giving awards to documentary filmmakers and costume designers like it is kind of the every man's award show in a weird way at the same time People have this weird view of Hollywood as if there aren't what I like to call blue-collar Hollywood workers. Like, the people behind the cameras, the people in the in the sound booth. Gaffers, grips, shit like that. Seed fillers. Yeah. Hard-working Americans. Exactly. The Oscars are continuing to try to be relevant in semi-successful and then also unsuccessful ways. I would say opening with Beyonce giving a MTV or Grammys level opening was interesting. Yeah, I think it was good. I don't really care about the song, but Beyonce is such an incredible live performer that it was fabulous to watch and the staging of it was insane looking. Did you know it was pre-taped? I'm not surprised it was pre-taped, just given the level of production. Yeah, I was very... that is disappointing, because they could do it live. Well, I was very confused because it said live, which the Oscars were, but they were showing a pre-tape of Beyonce. I also was like, how did you get from Compton to Hollywood in like 23 minutes? It's cool that they did it in Compton, but kind of fucked that no one from Compton could actually watch. I liked all the reunions throughout the ceremony. They reunited... Cast of Pulp Fiction, The Godfather, White Men Can't Jump. Very cool. Very cool. The Godfather, it's his 50th anniversary. Pulp Fiction, however, it's its 28th anniversary. Whatever. Who cares? I don't know. The, these bits always make me really uncomfortable because like, the timing of the pre-written banter is always off, and it makes me very nervous. I also thought it was weird that Diddy was asked to introduce the Godfather. Well, he's been aping on a mobster aesthetic for much of his career. I understand the hip-hop community's relationship with gangster films. It's just weird because Francis Ford Coppola has always not enjoyed that and been like, it's about family. It's not about the mafia, really, even though it is about the mafia. And then to set clips of the Godfather to rap songs and then have these 80-year-old men come out, white men come out, was just high camp. Well, he has to make less glamorous movies about mobsters if he expects rappers not to care about them. (laughs) 
What did you think of the in memoriam section? Because like, I love the Jamie Lee Curtis and Bill Murray portion, but I do feel like it gets to a point we've made previously, which is sometimes things don't need to be updated. Like sometimes the thing can just always be the thing it's been. Yeah. Which is a montage sequence with like a diva singer and a choir behind her. Yeah, that's all we need. Although, you know, I enjoyed that Jamie Lee Curtis somehow found a puppy. Because Betty White loved animals? Yes, yes. After Betty White died, there was a huge movement to donate to rescue places. What else happened? I was making this point to you when we were watching the Oscars that there's a bifurcation point where, I think it's around 2005, 2006, where before then, I could tell you who won every of the major categories, certainly the acting categories. And then afterwards, I have no relationship and for the last seven years it's like as soon as they win i can't remember who won well also there's so many best picture nominees now that you don't even really know who was nominated anymore who won best actress chelsea exactly oh jessica chastain yes yeah i knew that other notable wins jenny beaven won for cruella her third oscar good on her yeah Billie Eilish won for that James Bond song. I know. It was the first time they were nominated and first win. Is this bitch going to EGOT before she's 30? I know. Phineas, I'm sure, is already working on a jukebox version of their life. Oh, God. And then the, the only the third female director won an Oscar, which would be Jane Campion. Although we got back to back female winning directing years. Look, we all know what she said at the Critics' Choice Awards. We do not like it, but this woman also has an incredible body of work. Which is, let's be honest, really what she got the Oscar for. Yeah. Would you like to talk about some snubs that are near and dear to your heart, Chelsea? (laughs) The snub I'm most invested in is Diane Warren losing for the 13th time. That shit is fucking crazy. Like, she definitely didn't deserve to win for the song that she was nominated for, which wasn't good. She should have won for Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing or Celine Dion's Because You Loved Me. Damn. But Lauren, do you want to know what her first Oscar nomination was for? What? It was for Jefferson Starship's Nothing's Going to Stop Us Now from the soundtrack of Mannequin. Oh, it does all come back to Sex in the City, baby. And that was in 1988. She has been going to the Oscars and losing since 1988. As long as I've been alive. Yes. <laughs> Diane Warren has been losing Oscars. Wow. And then to see, she must have been so pissed Then Billie Eilish wins her first, first nomination. Oscar. You could even see her face. like. <sighs> um, she must have the best text threads, Diane Warren, after losing Oscars. That's the text thread I want to be in. Yeah. Other snubs. Kiki Dunst, which we mentioned. I think that shit's hard because now so much of, especially prestige films, so much of interviews are about, like, you're getting Oscar buzz that I imagine... I imagine she's fine with it because she's been in the industry so long, but like that would fuck my head up if it's like, hold on, for six months, like with Kristen Stewart and and Spencer, it's like that was the thing that every interviewer was like, Oscar buzz, you're a shoo-in to win. Yeah. And then to not is, you know, I didn't see West Side Story, but I heard Ariana DeBose was great and deserved the Oscar. So I don't want to malign her, but I definitely wanted Kirsten to win just because... I've been obsessed with her movies since I was a tween. So I feel like I've just, I've been in it for the long haul. I think, well, also for her never getting nominated for Melancholia is another injustice. Or Marie Antoinette, which I think people are coming back to. Yeah. But I think this has now set her on a path of a, I think we're going to get our Julianne Moore era with with her now. Where she'll win for some movie that no one remembers. Yeah. Where she has Alzheimer's. Or like Samuel L. Jackson, she'll just get a career honorary Oscar. They got to give that to Diane Warren. (laughs) They can't keep having her back like this. Well, that was cool. I love that Samuel L. Jackson got it. I love that Liev Ullman got it. That was cool. Yeah, and if you saw clips from the show, which they did not air, but there are some clips out there, it's seemingly a way better show. I would rather be at these honorary Oscars the night before than the actual Oscars. Yeah, it seems like a fun time. 
Yeah, I still can't believe that Bradley Cooper was there because he was nominated for Nightmare Alley and not Licorice Pizza. Like, Licorice Pizza has many problems, but Bradley Cooper's John Peters is not one of them. No. Licorice Pizza got totally snubbed. Well, P.T. Anderson fumbled the bag during the award season run-up. What do you mean? I think he was never going to win original screenplay after someone asked him about the the backlash to the, the unnecessary Asian accent, whatever you want to call it, subplot in the film. And he was like, I don't have a problem with it. And there was some, I'm on film Twitter, someone was like, and he just lost the best original screenplay. Right. Well, it's not the movie he should have won for. Well, did what has he, he didn't win for Boogie Nights, we know, because he had some sort of breakdown. He's never won. He's never won. So, I mean, he should have won for Boogie Nights. I mean, he should have won for Magnolia. (laughs) I wish, I wish, but I feel like that was such a divisive movie for a lot of people. But this it is- was kind of like Licorice Pizza in that like some people really hated it, but we all agree that Tom Cruise's performance is so incredible and he deserves that Best Supporting Actor nom as Bradley Cooper did for Licorice Pizza. Not only nomination, just to win it because yeah, I don't know if we're ever getting character actor Tom Cruise back. I think we will. He's aging. What roles are, is he going to play? He seems hell-bent on dying during a Mission Impossible <laughs> like eight stunt. <laughs> Yeah, he does. All right, shall we talk about fashion? I mean, I think that's why people are here. What better way to discuss fashion than on a podcast? I know, I know. (laughs) So we've never really done anything like this before, but we've actually come up with a list of our best dressed, our least dressed, and the least interesting to look at. Thank you, Kim Kardashian, for that moniker. Yes. Uh, So best dressed. Best dress. You want to start on a high note? Sure. I was worried that people were going to dress boring, and I feel like I was half right. I think this was a more interesting red carpet than we've gotten in recent years. Sure, half of those outfits actually didn't appear at the Oscars. They were at the Vanity Fair after party, but whatever. Who's up first, would you say? I My best dressed is Uma Thurman in Bottega Veneta. I think this was incredibly chic. It feels like a nod to her outfit from Pulp Fiction. It definitely owes a debt to Sharon Stone's iconic Oscars look, as did Zendaya's. But neither were overly derivative, really. But she looked chic and fab. I loved that. Well, I mean, Uma Thurman and minimalism are a match made in heaven. Yeah, styled by Kate Young. I always love when models show up on the Oscars red carpet because they always bring it. I'm never sure why they're there, but... They have an unfair advantage. I don't know why Leah Cabetti was there, but she wore a Laya and she looked incredible. I could actually tell you. She's with the producer of the Best Picture winner, Coda. Oh, so there so she's go. dating. Okay. She looks great. Really cool to see Alaya on the red carpet. I would think we would have gotten more Alaya, although I'm sure they're really selective about who they loan to. Fab. As was Maya Rudolph in Valentino. Because she's wearing a caftan? Well, yeah. You know I love a caftan. You love Valentino. Maya Rudolph wears Valentino caftans to basically every award ceremony, but I really think it works for her. She looks great. She looks Elizabeth Taylor-esque. I'm also really obsessed with her stylist, Rebecca Grice, who also does the Heim sisters. Yeah, she has a good roster of clients. And A.D. Bryant as well, which I think are just very cool, fun clients to have. And she's also been turning out really insane looks for Alana Heim's award season run bit of a disappointment with her Oscars look. I don't know. I think it was, I'm not talking shit. It's not on my best dress list, but I think she looked good. I think there's something where, especially ingenues like that, or like cool girls who are on the red carpet, there's a tendency to really pull impressive looks for every show. And then something about the Oscars gets them scared and they want to go more traditional. Yeah, her dress did kind of feel like something that Jodie Foster would have worn in the yes. 90s, like the, the sort of Armani dress. I was going to say it looks more Armani than Louis Vuitton. Yeah, well, Louis Vuitton is just, to me, it's always a weird vibe on the red carpet. I don't know if... Sometimes they do really beautiful things, but I don't think that dressing celebrities and making gowns and shit is really what Nicholas Gasquier does best. And I feel like when I see Louis Vuitton on the red carpet, it's either something really fucking weird that just looks vaguely crazy and doesn't make sense, or it's something that doesn't look like the brand at all. 
Right. I was surprised at how many placements of uh, Bottega we got because we yeah. also got a exquisite kind of sky blue suit on a Cody Smith McPhee. Who the fuck is that? He was in Power of the Dog. Oh, I still need to see that. I spent the entire film just because it is about toxic masculinity, which seemed to confuse Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott was like, this film seems gay. It's like, it is gay. <laughs> but I need someone to explain to me. I'm like, it is purposeful that Benedict Cumberbatch is cast as this repressed gay cowboy who keeps picking on Cody Smith McPhee in the film. But I'm like, is no one going to comment that they have the same alien, reptilian, androgynous <laughs> face? Yeah, they, they do look like they're part of the same alien race or something. That Tumblr girls go wild for. Yeah, he looked major, though. I loved the baby blue color. I loved the diamond necklace and the clunky shoes. It was cute. And then my last pick for best dress, Bill Murray. But just in the in memoriam section. Well, he only, it's not like he changed to present. He obviously dressed himself. And that's cool because not everyone should have to have a fucking stylist. And when someone doesn't have a stylist, especially someone like that, you can see what their style actually is and how they actually dress. And I thought the scarf and even the beret were quite charming. Yeah, my favorite look is Demi Singleton, who played Serena Williams in King Richard. She was in a custom Mew Mew. It was that lavender empire-waisted column dress. And it was like very, it's always an issue sometimes when a younger person is on a red carpet at this level where to dress not too twee and not too mature. And I thought this was just the perfect look. It was structured, yet whimsical. Yeah, she looked pretty. Are you surprised that Kirsten Dunst was wearing La Croix and not Rodarte? Yes, well, also, it's vintage, I assume. I mean, they don't make clothes anymore, do they? Unless this was some announcement we missed. I don't think it was. As far as I know, LaCroix is only making... LaCroix? As far as I I know, LaCroix is only making, like, homewares and shit now. Right, another licensing deal gone wrong. For those who don't know... Kiki has had a relationship with Rodarte since their beginning. They're very close friends. And it's not as if Rodarte doesn't do red carpet outfits or even Oscar customs. That's who Natalie Portman was wearing when she won for Black Swan. Right. So I wonder what the story is. Yeah, it did seem a little bizarre. So we have another category coming in right under best dressed, which is almost best dressed. And those are that's the people that were almost best dressed. And I'm going to put Jada Pinkett Smith here. Chelsea, be careful. Look, I think that the gown was maybe the best of the evening. However, there were two styling choices that I think really did the gown a disservice. One was zipping down the front, which is not how it was supposed to be worn. And this is Glenn Martin's when he was guest designer for Jean-Paul Gaultier. Yeah, the couture collection. So it was zipped down, which gave this little peak of skin, which kind of threw off the vibe of the gown. And then she wore shoes that were like shoes that did not match, were a completely different color of green and felt like very outdated to me when I feel like it called for a boot or a strappy sandal or something. The gown is incredibly major, although as a fellow petite person, I personally don't like this silhouette, which has a very elongated bodice. I just don't think it looks good on us petite people, but I think she looks great overall, but I was bothered by those things and I found it hard to get past them. So you're giving her, this is an A minus, it's a 90%. Yeah. And same goes with Billie Eilish, loved the dress, but the hair didn't do it for me. So it kind of with the look. Yeah, I like the idea that Billy, between albums, like a Madonna, was going to sort of change her whole persona and styling, but that doesn't seem to be the case. And we seem to be, I don't know, in a gothic period right now. That's fine. I liked the color. It was just the cut. It was flipped up. It was very like Sandra D vibes or something. <laughs> and a kind of unexpected look for Gucci, just the all black ruffles. It was also virtually identical to the Balenciaga dress that Kendall Jenner wore to the Vanity Fair after party. Thank God Billie Eilish changed for that. That would have been embarrassing. And some honorable mentions. Kravis. They looked great. Courtney in Vintage Mugler and then Travis in Margiela. 
Yes. And also Zoe Kravitz, who is the only person that can dress like Audrey Hepburn and look cool. Like, I actually don't understand how she does it. Yeah. Unlike, say, Kristen Stewart, whose blood oath with Chanel is bringing her down stylistically, I think Zoe has really blossomed under her brand ambassadorship with Saint Laurent, which I yeah, wouldn't. Yeah, for sure. I think it's also pushing Anthony Vaccarello to design things that are kind of outside his comfort zone, like this dress. Yeah. She always likes just like a late 50s, early 60s. Like her wedding outfit was very that. Another elongated bodice on a petite person. Yeah, which looks great. I think you need to like revisit the elongated bodice. All right, well, try it on me. We'll see how it goes. Least dressed. That's going to be our boy Timothée in Louis Vuitton. Which he always looks great in. He's showing chest. What was that decision? It's a great decision. It's shocking, but (laughs) it works. Yeah, I liked it. And normally, I feel like I can't remember if we've talked about this on the pod or privately, but Lord and I tend to have a problem when non-Lenny Kravitz guys don't wear shirts as a fashion statement. Right. But he actually pulled it off, which was incredible. At one of the most formal evenings they have. Yeah, it was cool. And now on to least interesting to look at, the first of which is also a least dressed, which is Kristen Stewart in Chanel. I get it. She's been with them for a long time. There's only so many times you can wear a tweed dress to an award ceremony, but not this, not like this, not a thoughty Karl Lagerfeld look. Yeah, when I first saw it, I just thought, No. (laughs) Sure. Wearing short shorts, that's one thing. That's its own can of worms. But the shoe choice on top of that is what really sets me off. Kind of like the Jada shoe choice, which I felt like it was very conservative that Kristen chose to wear like a closed toe pump when you could wear a strappy sandal or something. This is a look for con. It's not for the Oscars. Even if you're trying to be subversive, it's just like, no. And another unfortunate fashion choice, Amy Schumer in Oscar de la Renta. Did not love this. I don't understand why no quote-unquote comedian can look good on the red carpet. It can. Like, Wanda looked good. Yeah. But it's like every time... Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, Amy Schumer host. They always dress like shit. Yeah, well, Amy Poehler's figured it out, though, because she works with Carla Welch now. Right. Like, she looked great when she hosted the Oscars. I think comedians can look fierce as fuck. It's just, this is a weird vibe because it's a really strange combination of a lot of cleavage. But then there's this giant bow motif, which felt very conservative. And I feel like also because of the ubiquity of Gucci, I've just like OD'd on like a trompe l'oeil bow. Moving on to the after party. Which always has the best looks, which is an issue. I don't understand. Like, it's possible that some of these people can dress really interestingly and be subversive on the red carpet, but they choose not to do it on the Oscars red carpet. Yeah. Well, also, there's just so many more people that come to the after party. So there's better looks because there's just like a large volume of celebrities there to choose from. So best dressed at the after party, Dakota Johnson in Gucci. My favorite celebrity, Dakota Johnson. (laughs) In a gown from the Gucci Parade Hollywood Boulevard collection. Yeah, it was so beautiful. And it it was old Hollywood, which I typically think is a very stale reference point for an Oscars look. But it was referencing like Gene Harlow and Bob Mackie and shit like that. It wasn't just like another like stale like 1950s premiere look. Speaking of stale, do you think that's the same dress that was dragged along the piss-ridden, dirty Hollywood stars? (laughs) I hope so. That's the only, that's where the Oscars are too. It's the only place that dress has ever been. Also, I really loved Sarah Paulson in Bottega Veneta. Shocking. Very cool outfit. Very modern. She also wore that tennis ball yellow that Beyonce did in her live performance. And then we have Hunter Schaefer and Rick Owens, which is not an often used designer for the red carpet, although he should be more. And it's a perfect mixture of designer and person wearing the clothing. Yeah, this was my favorite look at the Vanity Fair after party. Also, the hair and the makeup was exceptional. It looked more editorial than red carpet. And she looked totally unique. No one there looked like her, which I think is really important at an event like this, where again, there's just a huge volume of celebrities in attendance. It's hard to stand out. And she did. 
And I also loved Liz Goldwyn in vintage Norman Norell. Which you know is her own dress. <laughs> yeah, which, again, let's normalize people wearing their own clothes to Oscars parties. Well, also the difference between Oscars of years past and now, there's so much manufactured personal style because everyone has a stylist that it's very rare to see someone that actually has not only personal style, but very good personal style. Liz Goldwyn is one of those people. Yeah, she's been one of the best dressed women in L.A., for years and it's cool to see her in this particular gown which was like a turtleneck sequin very fitted classic Norman Norell piece which we've seen many reinterpretations of on the runway recently Michael Kors put out a bunch of them in that 40th anniversary collection that we discussed on the pod and Marc Jacobs did one as well and that dress ended up being in Euphoria because that is the dress that the rich woman gave Maddie right So it's fun to see someone wear the original. Not that a single e-reporter on the red carpet could figure that out or point that out. Honorable mentions. Kim and Kenny in Balenciaga. Balenciaga and this family is kind of like invasions of the body snatchers where it's like it finally got Kendall. It got Kendall. But how far is it going to go? Because I kind of can't imagine them dressing Kylie. They're definitely not dressing Chloe. Courtney... Maybe. I don't know. She's come up a lot, but still, I think that would be a bit iffy. Courtney gets gifted a le- one of the leather trash bags from the previous collection. I think Kendall doesn't get enough credit for how adventurous she actually has been at certain red carpet events. I think of the Richard Quinn dress she wore to the Emmys, the latex and floral ball gown. And then this is a night to be thoughty, and she decided to go for a very voluminous Balenciaga outfit. Yeah, but it's also a night that calls for glam. I think Kendall, being a model, of course, has an unfair advantage. You know, being a model on an Oscars red carpet is like being an athlete that's on steroids. Like, it's just, you know, you have an unfair advantage. And then we have Haley Bieber in Straight Off the Runway, Sailor Laurent. Carla Welch is doing a great job with her. This is the best thing that's ever happened to her. Is is Bieber convincing Carla Welch to take Haley Bieber on as a client? Actually, because she's moved her away from hyper trendiness. And I think that it's really, really serving her well. This outfit would look amazing in any decade. I think Haley Bieber needs to atone for giving every girl with a, a Pinterest that wants to be an influencer in New York the same uniform, which is just like a crop white shirt, gold earrings. And a long leather jacket. Yeah. And a sleek, a sleek ponytail. So yeah, it was time for Haley to move on to other pastures. Yes. And another honorable mention, Jeremy O'Harris and Gucci. He always looks great. Despite the fact that he's a writer and a playwright, I feel like he's often the most fashion person in the room. And this kind of reminded me of the Versailles fashion show from Emily in Paris. You probably didn't get that far, though, did you? No, but isn't he, is he in that episode? Because he, yeah. he guests in an episode. Yeah, yeah, he's the designer that does the fashion show. At, oh. It's also giving Madonna's VMA performance of Vogue a little bit. Yeah, it's giving certainly a Blue Boy Gainsbourg painting vibes. I added Julia Fox to the honorable mentions, but I just did question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. She was there. I like that she gave us a literal black swan eye. Like her eyes were bloodshot. The makeup, I mean. Which she does herself. She didn't do that herself. I mean, I'm sure she does do her makeup herself sometimes, but for this. You always have that strong eye makeup. Is that you, or do you have a makeup artist who does that for you? I actually did it myself. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Oh, I thought she was just having someone from Pat McGrath's team do all of that shit for events events anyway. Maybe she's lying. She also did say she was Josh Safdie's muse for Uncut Gems, which is not true. (laughs) I think what she meant was she was the the muse for that character in Uncut Gems, but not the film itself. Anyway. If anyone's Josh Safdie's muse, it's Adam Sandler. (laughs) Yeah, she told Vanity Fair, and this is, this would be us on the red carpet because she told the magazine that her unconventional look was uh, courtesy of Balenciaga and Hans, whose last name is German and I can't pronounce it. Okay, whatever. I don't think it needed the monkey hair bag. To me, the bag competed with 
the skull hand around her neck. Which when she was initially being interviewed and I saw it, it was such a tight shot that I thought it was her gloved hand at first around her own neck, just as like a nervous tick while she was talking. It did look very cool. I can't wait for her Met Gala look. Okay. Chelsea is convinced that Julia Fox is going to be at the Met Gala. If you think she's not going to be at the Met Gala, you're actually delusional. Who's going to bring her? Laquan? Literally anyone. Versace, I think, could be a top contender. I would not be surprised if she did something with Glenn Martins and Diesel. I think there's tons of people that would die to dress her. Because whatever she's going to wear is going to get so much attention. She even dominated the Vanity Fair Oscar party. I agree with what you're saying in theory, but I just don't think Anna Wintour would allow something this clever and genius to happen. I mean, look at who the fucking co-chairs are for this show. It's Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. Yeah, but have you noticed who they've been inviting to the Met Gala in recent years? YouTube stars. Yeah, so it's like, obviously, Julia Fox is going to be there. All right, I think we need to open this up as a poll to our audience about who thinks Julia Fox will be there or not. Julia Fox is is their baby. I'm sure she's gotten many good offers. (sighs) All right, back to Oscars looks. So now we're going to discuss after-party looks that were better than the Oscars looks. Yes, which often happens, I find. I made this point previously. I don't understand why they can't just bring this energy to the red carpet, but... So Tracy Ellis Ross definitely looked better in her after-party look, which was by Oscar de la Renta, versus the Carolina Herrera dress that she wore to the Oscars. We should also say that Tracy Ellis Ross, like Liz Goldwyn, is one of the few people in L.A. who has amazing personal style and has had it for decades. Yeah, one of the best-dressed women in the world. But didn't love the the Oscars look, despite the Carla Welch of it all, but she looked great at the after-party. The boobs were ill-fitting. I'll just say that and I always wonder in those moments yeah I did kind of think that the cups of the dress would just flip out kind of like in showgirls you know (laughs) when the MC has the (laughs) the MC at the strip club has the bit where she can pop her boobs out of her dress yeah Yeah. I always wonder in those moments and maybe Tat could could illuminate on this which is do they know it's ill-fitting and they're just like fucked and can't fix it or are they like I think it works Well, I think that they got a custom thing made. It was a little fucked, but they decided to just make it work. Right. Like, and they didn't have another option, so. Kristen Stewart looking like, I don't know, the Chanel version of a Franciscan priest in all black. It's just... She looked better at the after party because she was in a a long lace dress that was very Coco Chanel by way of Stella Tennant or something. It was much more glamorous than what she wore to the Oscars. As I said about Zoe Kravitz previously, Kristen Stewart's ambassadorship over the last 10 years with Chanel is really handicapping her stylistically. Yeah. It's also handicapping. I don't, it doesn't, they need to break up. This needs to end. Well, just like I think that Natalie Portman should no longer be Miss Dior. Yeah. The woman's 40. Her children are nearly teenagers. Let's... It is, like, how long are they going to do this? Anya Taylor-Joy is right there. She's already wearing Dior and doing makeup ads. Just fucking make her Miss Dior. She already has a contract with uh, Victor and Rolf, I think. Anyway. And another one, Cynthia Erivo looked uh, better at the after party. I think she was wearing Louis Vuitton at the after party also. Or, excuse me, Louis Vuitton. Vuitton for for both. The last two people, Kristen and Cynthia, is interesting that they're wearing the same designer, but the after party look is better. Yeah. Which really does, again, give credence to my point that like people do just back off when it comes to the Oscars red carpet, and I don't know why. Well, in the case of Kristen, she definitely wanted to make a statement on the red carpet at the Oscars. And right. this that look does. It's not a good statement, but it is. it commands a lot of attention, whereas I don't think her after-party look commands that much attention, although it is um, much more glamorous at the end of the day. Do you want to talk about Zendaya? Yeah, I think that that was kind of a wash, actually. I think that her... Actually, maybe her Oscars look was better. I do think that the suit that she wore, the Sport Max suit that she wore to the after party was incredible, but it did not call for a diamond brooch. Well, I was more going to ask, what did you think about the straight tie with her suit? Again, the brooch like fucked it all up because it took it out of that butch 
Marlena Dietrich, Linda Evangelista, and Naomi Campbell in drag in that Vogue Italia editorial territory and into like something a little bit more comedian. Yeah. And I don't think that that was necessarily a good thing. Yeah, and her her Oscars dress had a bit of humor to it. It was obviously a nod to Sharon Stone at the 96, 95 Oscars when she... Yeah, but I think the Uma Thurman version was a superior nod to that if you're going to pick one. I think it's apples and, and oranges. Yeah, she looks amazing, obviously, but Zendaya pulls so many amazing looks all the time that it's kind of like... She needs to look bad a little bit so that we can be like, oh my God. (laughs) So that the Oscars look has a little bit more impact. Yeah. I think also the thing with the brooch on the suit at the after party, I think I get personal like PTSD from the 90s because remember how every lesbian comedian, like they'd wear a suit or they'd wear a skirt suit or something, but then they'd try and femme it up with like a blouse or a brooch or something. And it ended up just being like the weirdest fucking look. That no one wears unless you're trying to be like a straight passing lesbian at an award show in 1995. Yeah, I was going to say 1991. It was also giving, and I hope we're at the dawn of this, it was also giving Dick Tracy villain. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we're at the beginning of a Dick tracy assance. Yeah. And then lastly, I added to the list Zoe Kravitz because I'm having a love affair with her with her and her style right now. And so like Hailey Bieber, she's in a dress straight off the Saint Laurent runway show. To me, I thought it was referencing the famous Guy LaRoche dress that Marielle Dark wears in The Tall Blonde Man and One Black Shoe. It's that black like bumster dress with the the high neckline but just a white version of that. Yeah, it's gorgeous. But Saint Laurent also has dresses like that. For sh- Eve Saint Laurent, I mean. <laughs> the man but himself. Yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a really beautiful silhouette and proportion. And one that I predict that Julia Fox may adopt for the Met Gala, except I think you're going to see like her whole ass or like the entire top of her ass, not just the crack. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> All right, so much fashion. So much time. Unlike so little time, so much time on fashion. Yeah, I'm over fashion. I've OD'd. Let's let's take a break from fashion until the Met Gala. All right. But thank you guys for listening as always. This was our first attempt at a podcast Oscar special. Let us know if it worked. <laughs> Let us know if it didn't, and uh, we will be back next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.